0: 16. Now when you came in this morning, if you did not receive uh, a study sheet, why don't you raise your hand right now and one of our men will get one of those for you. And why don't you take that, if you have a Bible, open it and turn to the last book, the book of Revelation. If you don't have a Bible, you can look in the songbook rack in front of you and you should be able to find one there. And again, the very last book of the Bible. Now, why don't you just look up here for just a sec and let's just kind of get moving back into this territory. For those of you that haven't been with us through our study of the book of Revelation, you uh, are coming in at really at a, at a good time. Since we've been about three months or so outside of this thing, it's going to take us a little bit to just, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, re- I remember that. And so we're going to do a little bit of that this morning. But we are in a section of Scripture in Revelation chapter 16 that, to be just straight up honest with you, this thing will blow your hair back. I mean, this is, this is some heavy-duty stuff that God is revealing to us in Revelation chapter 16. Now, as a, as a pastor, as a preacher of the Word of God, say I've got to go to the Bible and I've got to do what God tells me to do what it tells me to do is to preach the word to be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine what the Bible tells me is that I have the responsibility to preach listen all the counsel of God now listen if God hadn't said that you know what I'd be apt to do Let's just leave this Revelation 15 and 16 thing alone because, you know, people this day and age, they don't respond to this kind of stuff. And so let's just leave it alone and let's just talk about how loving and wonderful and gracious God is. And let's just leave these things alone. But you see, you can't do that because God says, this is my book. It's not yours. You've been given a responsibility and you give it the way that I gave it. And so... That's that's what we're going to do in just a couple of minutes this morning. But I do want you, those of you that may be guests, those of you that are not familiar with a Bible, or a, a church that takes the Bible literally and wants to make sure that people get it the way that God gave it, just kind of brace yourself because this is this is some strong stuff. Now l- let me also just kind of talk to you home folks for just a, a second. Because, you know what, we, for the last several months, we've been talking about things that really have a lot to do with us, uh, a lot to do with living out the Christian life, and, and we like that, and that's good, and there's a place for that, but you see, all the counsel of God's bringing us back into Revelation chapter 16. But I've got to tell you, because of the ground that we're covering in Revelation 15, 16, 17, I mean, we're going to be in this for a little while. I think that some of us are a little bit apt to say, well, you know, with guests and all of that kind of thing, this probably isn't the coolest time to be inviting people because, you know, this is the heavy-duty stuff. And, oh, listen, please let me, let me just assure you of something. Jesus came to this planet, and this is what he said. He says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. Okay. And now listen, when the Father is drawing people, you know what's happening? Jesus explained it. What he said is that the Spirit of God will reprove of sin and of righteousness and of, and of judgment. Don't be afraid of passages that talk about the judgment of God because, listen, until a person is faced with their sin, the righteousness and holiness of god and his judgment you know what they ain't being drawn so listen invite your guests there is not a more perfect time no i just you know if we were in john chapter three and we were talking about you know god so loved the world now that's that's when i want the visitors to be there but you know what if we were doing that we'd have to go down to verse 36 of john chapter three where it talks about the fact that people who have not believed Already have the wrath of God abiding on them so you can't get away from this thing, okay? But please y'all don't be afraid To invite folks to understand The score on this thing because everything that we're talking about as we're gonna see in just a second is Gonna be unfolding on this planet in the very very near future now let's just kind of take a A fly and leap at the book of Revelation. Let's uh, let's just talk for a second about the overall context of this book. Now, for those of you who have been here forever, you, of course, know that the writer of this book is none other than John, John the, the beloved, the apostle John, that, of course, was discipled by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When he receives this revelation, he is on the Isle of Patmos, and the year is approximately 95 A.D., And this is is so key to your understanding. Back in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, what it says is this. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, Now listen, when he received this revelation from God, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, uh, because of our humanness, we hear Lord's Day and what we want to do is we want to plug in human definitions to God's book. The Lord's Day as it is biblically defined is the day of the Lord. What that is is the the tribulation period as it culminates with the second coming of Christ. John was saying that what was taking place when I received th- this revelation is the spirit of God had picked me up and had catapulted me spiritually into a time in the future somewhere around 1906 to 1926 years in the future. What I'm talking about with him catapulting him 1906 years would bring us to, if he received the revelation in 95 AD, it would bring us, all you mathematicians, to the year 2001 to 2000 and whatever. We don't know, but we're living in a time right now where John was catapulted into what we would understand as our lifetime. He's spiritually catapulted there to see some things, and and the thing that most people miss when they come to the book of Revelation is that John was literally witnessing the events that are going to be unfolding in the next several years. When John got this this revelation, this wasn't John writing about a vision that God gave him of the future. As he's writing this, he's not writing down events as God was describing those events to him. All the way through the book of Revelation, what he's doing is he's writing about things that he actually saw He's writing about things that he actually heard. Now, you understand the difference? It's it's not like, I was in in this spiritual trance, man, and I was in that trance seeing all this stuff. No, listen. He literally had been catapulted through the dimensions of time into the future to literally be a witness of events that are going to be taking place on this planet in the very near future. Twenty-five times in the book of Revelation, John says, I heard. Thirty-six times, he says, I saw. Seven times, he says, I beheld. Now now listen, he is writing about things that were literally happening. When he's writing about this stuff, it's not like a a semblance of of things that are going to happen. He was writing about actual events. You say, whoa, whoa, whoa now you mean the man is writing down and witnessing things that haven't even happened yet how in the world could that be I mean how could he write about things that he saw and heard and experienced when they haven't happened yet how could that be well there's at least two things that you need to understand about this and we could spend oh my goodness the rest of the day on this this is the stuff where where God proves that he's God, because when we try to, with finite minds, figure out the infinite, man, it just kind of puts us on, on tilt. But you know, how, you know how John could write about events that he was seeing and hearing and witnessing, and yet those events haven't happened yet? The reason he could do that is because God isn't bound to our dimension of time. Now, we, we could, as Emeril would say, we could take that up a few notches, and we could say that God isn't bound to anything, amen? I mean, hey, time is not a problem to God. And you see, the way that works in our mind is, is things are either past, they're either present, or they're future. And what we with finite minds have a hard time understanding is that God lives in all three of those at the same time. You say, well, how does he do that? And there is an all-inclusive explanation for that, and that is that he is God. That's what makes him God. And to God, the past and present and the future are all an eternal now. God is above time. God is beyond time. And at the same time, he is all through time. And, you see, that's why, that's why we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Because, you see, God's already, he's already been there. And you know what? He's not wringing his hands and all freaked out about tomorrow. And since he isn't, you shouldn't be either, okay? God's got it all under control. And what's happened here is God, who is not relegated to our dimensions of time, what he's done is he's taken John and he has catapulted him into that dimension And John is literally seeing and hearing and smelling and feeling the effects of all of these things that he's writing about that from our perspective this morning, because we are bound into time, these things that he's writing about are still in the future. And you see, this is one of the things that makes the book of Revelation to me so fascinating is that John has already witnessed all this stuff and it's already happened just like this but it's also one of the things that makes it so freaky to me too you know one of the things that every week as as we've been in this study for a long time now one of the things that I have to wrestle with every week is I'm reading through this and I'm going to be preparing to stand before a group of people and be explaining what's getting ready to take place on this planet one of the things that I I have to live with and I have to deal with in my preparation is that every Sunday when we gather in this room there may well be people in this room that since John was catapulted forward in time and was witnessing and seeing and hearing these events take place that John very well could have been witnessing and seeing some of the people that come into this room week after week he could have been seeing them as they were the recipient of the things that he's describing here in the book of Revelation. And I just got to tell you guys, that freaks me out. And because I'm not only bound to time, but I'm bound in my humanness, it's very difficult, even in this little period of time, and even though I get to run my mouth for a good period of time here on Sunday morning, it is real difficult To try to explain this to some of you folks that are still outside of a relationship with Christ, it's so difficult for you, for me, to try to communicate the urgency of the things that we're talking about here. But if I could ask you to do something today, if you would just please open your heart to God, if you would listen to God as he speaks through his word today. In fact, could, could we do this? Let's all bow our heads right now. And you folks who do know the Lord, ask that the Lord would take this stuff and He would use it to to help you to see your world more clearly. Those of you that are here today that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you still don't even fully understand all that 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 means. Would you you just say to God, God, I'm not sure what all this dude's going to say. but I do want you to speak to me today. Would you be honest enough with God and yourself to just pray that to God? God, tell me from your book, not this guy up there, but that book, show me what you want me to get today. now, Lord, we want to pause once again, because we realize that this is your book. And we want to pause and just ask you to do what we could never do in our humanness. And I I want to pray this morning that you would take the truth of your word and that you would use it in all of our lives today, the way that you see fit. I, I do pray for for folks here today that don't know you. And I I pray that you would do work in their heart while we preach this message. And for those of us that do know you, may may this put an urgency in our hearts to get the message to people while we still have the time. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so John is he he is literally seeing and experiencing the events that he's writing about in, in this book. And oh buddy, when he comes to Revelation chapter fifteen and sixteen, man, he is getting his eyes and his ears and his nose literally filled with with this thing that, that's going on. Let's talk about the immediate context of Revelation fifteen. And 16. The time period that we're dealing with in these two chapters specifically is the end of the tribulation period. Now, l- let me just, for those of you that may be newer to the Bible, let me explain something to you. We're living right now in what is called the, the church age. The next event that we're looking for is an event that's described for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, and that event is this what the Bible says is that Jesus Christ is gonna return in the clouds a trumpet is gonna sound and all of the people that are on this planet that have come into a relationship with God through Christ are gonna bodily be removed from this planet it's an event that's called the rapture shortly thereafter it will usher in a period of seven years of tribulation on this planet Jesus came along and he says listen There's never been a time like it before it, and there'll never be a time like it after it. And the Bible uses some some unbelievably graphic language to talk about that period of tribulation on this planet. So what we're talking about here is something that could be taking place on this planet as soon as seven years from now if the rapture would take place today and and all those events would begin to to kick in. But but as we're talking about the the context here, it's most likely that this is in the last several months of the tribulation. It could be the last several weeks, maybe even the last several days. And we know that because of the nature of the things that are going on that John is revealing to us here. Because for... This to go on for a period of years, if it did, there would be no human life that would be spared. No one would survive. Things are that intense. Because what's happening here is John is seeing that dreadful time when God has finally had enough. And there, listen, there will come the day when God has had enough. Now understand, for the last 6,000 years or so, what has happened is this. God, in his dealings with mankind, has been very gracious. He has been very merciful and compassionate and tenderhearted and loving. And the thing that is, again, so cool about God is that today is that kind of day. He is still moving toward mankind with his love, his grace, and his mercy but what we begin to find out in this passage is that there is going to come a time when God has had enough it's a time that's been spelled out all through the Word of God Uh, up on the screen if you'll just follow with me for time's sake we'll we'll just look at it there in Psalm 94 verses 1 through 10 listen to what God has been spelling out all along about a day that we're reading about in Revelation 16, that time when he's had enough. Listen to Psalm 94 as it explains it. The psalmist says, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself, lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and the murder the fatherless. Yet they say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, ye brutish among the people and ye fools, when will ye be wise? Listen now. He that planted the ear... Shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? What what he's saying here is, listen, God's the one that gave you the capacity to hear and to see and to be able to reason things out and, and, and to make determinations. He's saying, do you think God gave you the ability to do that, and you don't think he's going to exercise that same responsibility? You think God is just going to let this thing go on and on and on? Vengeance belongs to you, O God. And what the psalmist is saying is, and I wish you'd go ahead and deliver it out. And he goes down to verse 21 of Psalm 94. And it says, They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity. Now now listen, what he's saying is there's coming a time when man's going to get exactly what he's been asking for. He shall bring upon them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea. The Lord our God shall cut them off. And those kind of things, like we're reading here in Psalm 94, these truths are repeated throughout the Old Testament. And yet what a lot of people want to do is say, yeah, yeah, well, that's just, you know, the God of the Old Testament. You know how it is. You know, the God of the Old Testament is a God of anger and wrath, whereas the God of the New Testament is a God of love and grace. Well... Let me just remind you that when the New Testament opens, it opens with a guy by the name of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he came on the scene, he preached a message of judgment. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, listen to John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, But he that cometh after me, the Lord Jesus Christ, is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Jesus comes along as he begins his ministry, and as I mentioned this just a few minutes ago. In John chapter 3, the great love chapter where God so loved the world, he comes down to John chapter 3 and verse 36. And Jesus says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Well, you know what, I ain't going back to that first Baptist man. You know, the that church all they talk about is, you know, God is a God of anger and God of judgment. Listen, all all I'm all I'm trying to do today is preach the whole council to you. Jesus came on this planet and and this is listen, this isn't my words. I'm I'm not just, you know, picking this stuff out because I just really want to tick people off today. No. Jesus says, yes, God is a God of hope. But he at the same time is a God of judgment. You see, that's, that's what makes him God. Because he's holy and because he loves holiness, do you understand that he automatically and necessarily hates sin and all unrighteousness? It, it, it's, the, the two have to be there. You see, he, he can't love goodness without hating wickedness. He can't recompense good without recompensing evil. In, in other words, he can't reward unless he punishes. And Paul comes along in Romans chapter 2 in verse 5 and he talks about this very thing that we're talking about. He, he's talking about people who Reject God's goodness and, and refuse to repent. And he says in Romans 2, 5, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And what we're seeing in Revelation 15 and, and 16 is the day of his wrath, the revelation of the righteous judgment of God and Paul goes on in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 to 9 describing that time and what he says is that the Lord Jesus Christ shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And again, this doesn't make us cooler than anybody else, but there is not many places you could go today and have them tell you about this aspect of God. Because the man of the 21st century does not want to face reality. Just tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what's going to make my life better today, but I don't want to have to be thinking about all that stuff in the future. That just kind of freaks me out. Oh, how much better to be freaked out now than to experience that for all of eternity. And Paul comes along in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, beginning in verse 26, And he says, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. He says, About how much sore punishment suppose ye, Shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace? For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. And oh, would you listen as he closes this section out. He says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And Revelation chapter 15 and 16 is all about that time. And what I've tried to do right here is I've just tried to show you the Bible's all along. It's just been pointing, it's been pointing, it's been pointing to some day in the future when God says, that's it. That's it. And what Revelation 15.1 lets us know about this time is that though for the past 6,000 years God has been dealing with mankind in love and grace and mercy and tenderheartedness and compassion and all of that, something else Revelation 15.1 lets us know is that for the last 6,000 years, while he's been manifesting himself in that fashion, God's wrath has been filling up into seven vials there's been seven containers that while he's been exercising that love at the same time the wrath has been filling up in these vials and and what this section of scripture is is saying is that that at this point in the tribulation look down at verse 5 at this point in the tribulation the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven is going to be opened. now what the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony is is the abode of God this is where God's throne is that the true tabernacle that that Moses talked about and that Paul talked about in the book of Hebrews and what's gonna happen at this point is that wrath that's been filling up in those vials is finally gonna get to the top and God in that tabernacle in, in that temple that thing is gonna open and when it does Seven angels, according to verse 6 of chapter 15, seven angels will then come into the temple to receive the seven vials. Okay? Now, there, there's something that I want to make sure that you understand. The wrath of God was poured out on his Son on the cross. You see, this, this wrath that we're talking about here in Revelation 15, it, it's been filling up. It's filling up today. Even as we speak right now, in heaven, if you could see it, the wrath of God is filling up in these vials. But listen, everybody, make sure that you understand this. The wrath of God was poured out on his Son on the cross. The Bible says he literally became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And the Bible says that He is the propitiation for our sins. In other words, He is the satisfaction for our sins. God was satisfied with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross as His wrath was poured out upon sin. And you see, when we come to the place, listen now, when we come to the place to where we understand our sinfulness before God and His absolute holiness, and the fact that there will come a day of reckoning. When we come to that place and we will, by faith, say to God, Oh God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I'm incapable of living a righteous enough life to get to you, because you are supremely righteous and I am not. But I do believe that you came to this planet and took my sin, and I trust only your death, burial and resurrection To remove my sin and the Bible says when you call upon his name listen your sin Is removed the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin So his wrath has been poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ. He took the wrath of Your sin that was going to be poured out on you he took it upon himself and when you call upon his name the wrath of god is removed because your sin has been removed by his blood however you blow god off with this whole death, burial, and resurrection of christ thing you blow god off and say hey yeah that's real cool but i'm having a great time right now with my life calling my own shots running the show don't don't mess with my life. Do understand. The wrath of God will be poured out upon you. So here it is. That wrath's been filling up for the last 6,000 years. It's filling up today. In the very near future, what's going to take place is the where god dwells it's going to open seven angels are going to come into that room the bible says there's four beasts that are on the four corners of the throne one of those beasts acting for all is going to take those seven vials and he's going to distribute those to those seven angels and those seven angels are going to be dispensed to go pour this thing out and the reality is this The highway to God's presence that was blazed by the death, burial, and resurrection will be shut down for the first time in almost 2,000 years. You you see, today, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, do, do you know what is actually happening? Spiritually, when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are brought into the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven. And the Bible says that you are seated with him in heavenly places. That is open for you today. Uh, okay, now, now it's time to, to change your sheet. I, I, I should have seen it coming. It's a terrible time to be doing this because of the point. Listen, today, that highway is open for you. In the near future, when all of this begins to unfold, That's it. It's shut down. And it's real important that we understand that coming into chapter 16. Okay? That's the time frame that we're, we're dealing with here. The end of the tribulation period. And, and to be quite honest with you, as we come to chapter 15 and verse 8, and that temple is shut down it's hard to know what kind of time frame is actually between verse eight of chapter fifteen and verse one of chapter sixteen the the time period could be two seconds it could be two minutes it could be two hours maybe two days it's hard to know but what we see as we come into chapter sixteen roman one on your outline is we see the judgment Commanded, The judgment commanded. And look at verse 1. It says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels. Now, the great voice is great, of course, because of how it sounded. But it's also great because of who it is. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's his voice. John says, I, I heard... A great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the seven vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now check it out. What the Lord Jesus Christ tells us is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know what the gospel is? It's the good news. That's what God tells us today. And that's what's available to you today, the good news of Jesus Christ. At this point, however, what he says is, I I want you to go into all the world, and you're not taking the gospel this time. I want you to go into all the world and pour out my wrath. And, And when you put this into the context of the whole Bible, what we begin to find out here is that this command is actually the fulfillment of prophecy. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 18 through chapter 30 and and verse 7, what God said to the nation of Israel was this. Now, just grab the context. What he said was this. If you don't follow me, if you don't do the things that I've instructed you to do, I'm going to scatter you into all of the nations of the world, and all of the nations of the world are literally going to treat you like scum. But he says, there's going to come a time at the end of time when I'll bring you back into your land. And at that point, the way the nations of the world treated you is the way that I'm going to treat them. And he comes to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 7, and this is how he crystallizes it. He says, And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee what we're seeing in Revelation chapter 16 as the Lord is commanding that these seven angels go forth is that this is the fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 51 verses 17 to 23 again speaking of that time at the end of time he says to the nation of Israel what's gonna happen is yeah you'll reject me for year after year and century after century but he says there's gonna come a time when you're gonna awake And he says, you're no more going to be drinking of the cup of trembling of my fury. Verse 22 and 23 of Isaiah 57 says this, Thus saith the Lord thy God, the Lord, the Lord, and thy God, that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again. You see, right now, the reason the nation of Israel has the problems they have is because... They're drinking of that cup right now. God says, there's going to come a point when you'll no longer be drinking out of that cup, but I will put it into the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, bow down that we may go over, and thou hast laid thy body as the ground and as the street to them that went over. God says, yeah, they've been walking on you for year after year, but there's going to come a day when I'm going to walk on them in the same way that they've been walking over you. So this is, first of all, the fulfillment of prophecy. But not only that, it's also the fulfillment of prayer. Israel prayed in Psalm 79, in verse 6, Pour out thy wrath upon the heathen that have not known thee, and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. And they continue praying, down in verse 12, where they say, And render unto our neighbors, listen, sevenfold into their bosom their reproach wherewith they have reproached thee O Lord give them give them sevenfold Lord And Revelation 16 again is the fulfillment of that prayer it is the the pouring of the seven vials so in verse 1 we see the judgment commanded and the seven angels are commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all of the world and pour out the vials of his wrath upon the earth and then beginning in verse two it's the judgment commenced the judgment commenced and these seven angels actually now they begin to go they were commanded to go in verse one and now they begin to go and they begin to pour out their vials and the pouring out of the first vial in verse two results in the traumatic sores The traumatic sores. Look at verse 2. It says, And the first went, that's the first angel, and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped the image. And I think it's important to understand here that when God's wrath is finally going to be poured out on the earth, You've got to understand, it's not just going to be the natural result of man's sin. You know, there's certain things, certain sins that man sins, and the natural result of those is going to cause him some problems. Uh, for example, in sexual sin. A person gets involved in that, and the consequences of that are, you're going to get venereal disease out of that. Natural consequence of sin. That's not what this, is, this time is talking about. What, what this time is talking about, is God pouring out His wrath and actually giving people exactly what they wanted. In fact, the thing that's so important to see when you're coming through Revelation chapter 15 and 16 is that really this is the final fulfillment of the principle of sowing and reaping. You can see in verse 2 that during the the tribulation period, there's going to be people on this planet who want a mark. The mark of the beast. And back in Revelation chapter 13, what it explains is that during this period of tribulation, if you will buy or sell anything, you will need to receive the mark of the beast, or the mark of the Antichrist, the infamous 666. Now, the thing that's important that you understand is that the way that you receive that mark is by bowing in worship to the Antichrist or... To his image, because certainly not all of the people of the world will literally be able to bow before him, but that image will go worldwide, and in order to receive that mark you will need to bow in worship to the Antichrist and when God's wrath has finally been filled up at the close of the tribulation period basically the way it comes down is this, y'all God's going to say you want a mark? do you really want a mark? Okay, then I'll give you a mark. And what it says is upon every person who worshipped the false Christ and took his mark, they will receive at that point a mark from the Lord God Almighty in the form of what it says, a noisome and grievous sore. The way we might explain it in terms today is a terrible, unbelievably nasty open running sore that causes excruciating and unbearable pain it's going to be an incurable thing it's not like you're going to run to the doctor and say you know doc got this little sore going on here no everybody that has taken the mark has it and no doctor can cure it god says listen you're going to get exactly what you've asked for if you want a mark Okay, I'll give you a mark. And then in verse 3, the second vial is poured out. And it results in the toxic seas. The toxic seas. Look at verse 3. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. Now, you know, as I was looking at that thing, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder, I wonder what the blood of a dead man is all about. You know? The sea is going to become as the blood of a dead man. And, and I was... I, as I was studying the thing out all, all week I was wanting to to call up guy funeral home. I've I've got a pretty good relationship with those guys there and I just wanted to ask and I felt like it was a little cheesy, you know, to hey, could you tell me about the blood of a dead man? Um but uh but Doug Burkhart and I were eating at Applebee's and one of the funeral directors walked by, you know, and so at that appetizing moment, there, where we were eating a bowl of chili, oh, I'm sorry, but but as we're as we're eating, he walks by and I'm like, oh, hey, hey you know what, man? I've been wanting to call you, and, and you know, we had we had the Bible open right there, and I, I took him there and I, I showed him, you know, what, what it says is is going to be taking place. You know, Bible says the sea. It's going to become as the blood of a dead man. So what, what do you think, what, what's going on? And he says, well, when a, when a person dies, that, that blood, the enzymes in that blood begin to break that blood down. And as it does, it begin, the acids begin to create a gas in, in that blood. And he said that if the seas became as the blood of a dead man, what would begin to happen is those enzymes would begin to break it down, and cause this gas, so that he said it would literally become a a, a bubbling cauldron. And I, it, Doug wrote it down specifically: a bubbling cauldron of a stinking gelatinous mess, where it's literally. This is better than the freak show, isn't it, man? <laughs> and, and, and you know what? We're looking for a little bit of an escape with humor because it is just so absolutely intense when you really begin to think about living through that. Your body covered with excruciating sores that are running and at the same time the seas have become a bubbling cauldron of stinking mess and every fish of the sea dies so the seas will become toxic or poisonous as they become blood which is very similar to the pouring out of the third vial and that is the tainted streams The tainted streams. Now, it's the salt waters that are affected in verse 3, the pouring of the second vial. In in verse 4, the result of the third vial being poured out, it's the fresh waters that are turned to blood. So not only is it the seas, but now every drop of water on this planet, all of the fresh water, you go to turn on your shower, blood comes out. You go to get a drink of water at the the faucet. You forgot. Blood comes out. You see, this is why we're talking about this must be at the very end of the tribulation period because what's getting ready to happen on this planet at this point is if you will drink liquid, you will drink blood. And notice next the reality of this judgment in verse 4. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And at this point in the tribulation, again, every drop of water has become thick, nasty, putrefying blood. It's going to be your worst nightmare. I mean, you, you, people will absolutely be freaking out. You can you can imagine. And, and you know what? If you're if you were newer to the Bible and you're coming through all of this and hearing all of these things, maybe for the first time, you, about this point in the thing, you're going to be saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 man! What is up with what is all of this? Where's all this coming from?" And I want you to notice next the righteousness of this judgment. And, and, you see, this comes at a good time, because if you're not familiar with the Bible, you're probably thinking, wow, man, I, you know, I thought God was, was righteous. Where's all this wrath and fury and anger coming from? You know where it comes from? It comes from His righteousness. John says in verse 5, And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord! which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. Or in other words, because you've judged like this. Judged like what? God has just turned all the water into blood. And the angel is saying, God, you're perfectly righteous because you judged like this. And again, what we see here is God is going to be giving to man exactly what he has sowed. what we've seen thus far in the book of revelation is that the followers of the antichrist who worshiped him and took his mark all through the tribulation period listen they are going to want the blood of god's people and the antichrist is going to use them to track down all of the people on this planet who have refused that mark and they will literally want their blood to, to kill them. And do you see what's happening here? God has come to the point where He's saying, Oh, so you want blood. Well, then, if you want blood, let me give it to you. And every drop of water on this planet becomes blood. You see, now listen, that's what the angel's saying in verse. Six, Coming off the heels of, You're righteous, O Lord, because of how you've judged, verse 5. The angel says in verse 6, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And we don't like, we don't like to hear this, but you know what the angel is saying? He's saying, Oh God, you're totally righteous in judging these people like this. These people are getting exactly what they wanted. Lord, these people are getting exactly what they deserve. This is exactly what they're worthy of. And and again, let let me me tell you how this, this thing works. We're all sinners. And because of our sin... The wrath of God, we saw this earlier, according to Revelation 2, 5, or Romans 2.5, the wrath of God is going to be revealed against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. However, God became a man, person of Christ, so that you didn't have to go through anything that we're talking about here. You know what this is all about? This is the result of telling God, hang it. I'm not interested in your righteousness. I'm not interested in your salvation. I'm not interested in your Son. At this point, God says, Okay, let me give you exactly what you're asking for. You've you got to understand, though God's wrath was poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, and He paid for our sins, if you refuse his pe- the, the penalty that he paid on your behalf, the price of sin is going to be paid. The only problem is you will pay it. And you'll pay it for all of eternity. And, and you know, it, it comes down to this. You can receive the Lord Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for you. Spend eternity with him be removed before any of this stuff ever happens, you're out of here. or you can continue to call the shots, go your own way, do your own thing, flip God off basically and come to the end of the tribulation period and you pay for your sin for all of eternity and it will go on and go on and on notice next in verse seven. Notice the response of this judgment. John says in, in verse 7, And I heard another, and there's another angel, out of the altar say, Even so! In, in other words, Amen! Yes! Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. John hears a voice out of the altar saying, Yeah, Lord, that's right. Amen. Give them blood to drink. They wanted blood, then give them blood. You're righteous and you're holy in judging them this way. And you know whose voice this is? Do you remember back in chapter 6? It says that John saw the souls of them, listen, that had been martyred by the Antichrist and his followers. And do you remember where they were? Revelation 6-9 says that they were under the altar. And you remember what they were saying? Look at it. Verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? How long, Lord? And in Revelation chapter 16, he finally answers their prayers. And with one, one voice coming from under the altar... They cry out in response, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are, they, are thy judgments. In other words, we, we didn't know how you were going to avenge our blood, but you have found an incredible way, giving them exactly what they wanted. They wanted blood. We didn't know how you were going to avenge it. We've just been waiting for you to do it. And, oh God, that there's nothing could be more true and righteous than just giving them what they asked for. And then let's look at the pouring of the fourth vial that results in the torrid or the burning, hot, scorching sun. Look at verse 8. John says, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him. And just try to imagine this now scorch men with fire and 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 again it's interesting if you go back to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 13 the second beast or the false prophet confirms the power and the position of the Antichrist by calling down fire from heaven and again it's as if God says oh you want a sign from heaven Oh, you you want fire from heaven? You think that's cool? Okay. Then let me give you what you want. And and again, I, I know we don't like to think in terms of this, but this is what's unfolding. God's saying, You want a mark? I'll give you a mark. You want blood? I'll give you blood. You want fire? I'll give you fire. You'll get exactly what you want. And look up on the screen at Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 26. And let me, let me explain what's going to be happening here as this vial is, is poured out. Okay, now in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 26, this verse is in reference to, to the millennium. Okay, now just understand that's the context right now. It's the millennium. okay. And Isaiah says, moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be, count them, sevenfold, as the light of seven days. In other words, it's going to be seven times brighter than it is right now. But you've got to remember something now. The, according to Acts chapter 3, it explains that in the millennium, the millennium is the times of restitution... Of all things, in other words, what god 's going to do is he 's going to condition the earth 's atmosphere to accommodate the change in the sun in that day, and evidently the, the the change in the sun is going to take place before the millennium actually gets started, right there at the end of the tribulation period, just maybe a few days even before the millennium actually kicks in. So that the earth's atmosphere has not yet changed to handle it. And the result is, he says here, men will be scorched by the sun burning seven times brighter than it is right now. And, and I, listen, can you, can you begin to imagine this, y'all? I mean, you know, just, just start putting all the pieces together here. I mean, here you are, you're broken out. All over your body, and you've got these incredibly excruciating sores. You know how you know how when you really, you know, life just gets to be an absolute bummer, and you just want to go escape, and so you just you just go to sleep. You know, you, you want to go to sleep. But you can't sleep because you've got sores that are running with, and you've got excruciating pain all over your body and there is absolutely nothing that you can do to find any relief. All the oceans, the lakes, the rivers and streams have all turned to blood and it smells literally to high heavens. And we, you know, we've not even talked about the... The nasty fish and all of the smell that is caused by all of that kind of stuff. There's no water anywhere to drink. And now on top of all of that, with all of this bubbling cauldron that's already taken place just because it, the, the, the waters became as the blood of a dead man, now you've got this intense sun that is just beaten down on, that, on the, the, the waters and, and it's boiling. And now, to add to the sores you already have, here comes the sun and it begins to burn your face and your back and your arms and your legs and it looks like you've been torched with a blowtorch. I mean, it's just horrendous. And in Isaiah chapter 24, look at verse 4. It says, The earth mourneth and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. This is, again, this is what the, the psalmist was praying for earlier. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 22, And except... Those days should be shortened. There should no flesh be saved. And in Revelation chapter 16, and this is, and this is what is so, so incredible, so mind-boggling to me. I mean, you would think that at this point with all of this stuff that's going on, I mean, you can just imagine. You would think that people would be just... Fallen on their face, crying out in desperation to God, saying, "Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh God, would you give me one more chance, one more chance to be saved?" Watch how they respond. Verse nine. Uh, listen, you, you you want some insight into why the Bible says in Jeremiah seventeen nine that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. If you want to see it with all of the wrappers the, the off, man. Verse 9 says, And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. Now, now look at the verse there again. Evidently at this point they recognized the source of the plagues. It's not like Where's all this stuff coming from? They understood the source. And and, and, unbelievable, look at the last part. And they repented not to give him glory. Could I just ask you, how in the world? How in the world could it get to the point to where? You are in that writhing pain. You are you, you just begging for a drop of water to cool your tongue. You're being scorched by the sun. I mean, what would you have to lose to call upon the name of the Lord and say, I'm a sinner. Why? I'm not real sure that I can explain it, but this, this does bring it real close for me, okay? Now, stay as still as you can. We come into a service like this, and obviously, the guy up front isn't real eloquent, but it's real obvious the authority... what he's saying isn't coming from his own mind it's coming from God's book and God is taking his book and by his spirit right now in this room what he's doing is he's revealing his absolute righteousness to people that are in this room right now it's more than apparent that God is so holy that he must judge sin and all who refuse him he will also judge the sinner and man I I, I would hope that today it wouldn't be the case but you know what's been the case ever since we started the book of Revelation and we've been preaching all these things you know what happens every week the word goes forth spirit of God begins to take it to people's hearts people say whatever that's pretty interesting walk out the back get in their car and just go live life don't want to have to face reality just leave me alone because I'm having Great time right now in my sin and I don't want to be interrupted and, and listen do you understand that the same thing that would cause you to do that here just run that out seven years or so and you'll do it then too You know, man, I don't say that to you because I'm mad at you. Man, I I I don't have the words to express to you how thankful to God I am that you came here today. But oh my goodness, for you to come to this place and for us to be this close to these events taken place on this planet and me to just pat you on the head today and say you know what it's all going to work out in the end because God's just real loving oh he is and that's what I've been trying to get you to see today where God dwells in the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven it is opened today and God is saying would you come don't you understand that this judgment thing is just all a part of the result of your sin. I don't... I, I loved you so much. I came to your planet and died your death and paid for your sins so that you didn't have to. That's the message. But run it out. And the ultimate rejection of that is we become recipients of God's wrath, you know, in in, in Luke chapter sixteen, and and, and this kind of helps me to understand what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about, and j- just listen, and we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up here. In, in Luke sixteen, Jesus is talking about the rich man and Lazarus, and they both died, and and the rich man woke up in hell. Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, what we would understand as, as heaven, okay? Things were a little different then until Jesus died and rose again and all that, that kind of stuff. But at that point, one's in paradise and one's in hell. And, and, and the rich man is able to see Lazarus over there in paradise. And he says to him, Lord, would you do this? Would you send Lazarus? And and let him just take his finger and dip it in the water to cool my tongue. And God says, nope. Well, would you do this? Would you send him to go tell my brothers? Because they're still on the earth. And they don't don't believe, you know. And and man, you see, if one would come back from the dead... Man, that would, that would seal it for my brothers. They would believe it then. And so would you send Lazarus? And you know what Jesus said? He said, no, they got the Bible. They have Moses and the prophets. And if they won't believe the Bible, they wouldn't believe even if one rose from the dead. Because, listen, One did rise from the dead. He's the author of that book that we hold in our hands today. And what he said is, you know what? If you don't believe the Bible, you wouldn't believe if some guy smelling like smoke walked into this room today on fire, screaming, I just came out of hell! Don't go there! You wouldn't believe it. so the Spirit of God takes His book to the hearts of people. And I'm asking you today, do you know, do you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that there's come a point in your life not where you got religious, listen, not where you got baptized, not where you went to classes, and as a result of going through the classes, they told you, you're okay now. Have you ever come to the point in your life where you understood your absolute sinfulness before a holy God to the point to where you said, my I'm in big trouble God forgive me be merciful to me I don't want to go the way I'm going I don't want to keep running my own show here you take the reins of my life and you take over but please forgive Have you ever come to that defining moment where you have called upon the name of the Lord in that alone to save you? And if you haven't, listen. His arms are open. He invites you to come into his presence through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today, God wants to love you by removing your sin. But it comes as a result of you coming to the end of you and saying, I trust only you. Have you ever genuinely? Come to that place. Now, let's don't get fidgety. In just a second, the service is going to be concluded. Our pastors are going to be up on either side of the front of this room positioning themselves there because we want to invite you today that if God is speaking to you, Maybe you don 't even know what all 's going on, but you do know this, you do know god 's speaking to you Would you come today would you just talk to one of our pastors you say i don 't know i 't know what I'd say just come up and say god 's dealing with me and i i 'd like to talk to someone about it now listen, I can assure you nobody 's going to try to get you to join this church nobody 's going to try to get you to carry out some religious ritual or anything like that, what what will happen is someone will take the same authority that I've been using all through this message today, and they'll take you to the Bible and show you today how you can leave here today with your sin completely forgiven, born into a relationship with God with absolutely nothing to fear in the future. That can be yours today. And so if God's speaking to you, we invite you to respond. Lord, I I, I do pray that people in this room today that don't know you would allow you to carry out the work in them that you had in mind when you led them to this service today. I pray that their pride would be removed. Any fear that may be in their heart or their mind because of coming to a new place or talking to people that maybe they don't know, Lord, would you somehow cut through all of those Those fears, may the desperation in their hearts today drive them past all of that into your presence to call upon your name to find the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And for those of you that are contemplating that? Would you right now just just think right now about the decision that you need to make? And could I talk to those of you that know the Lord Jesus Christ? you know what? We're all sitting here today, and we're pulling for people to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're coming through here and seeing, oh yes, God is going to give everyone exactly what they're asking for. Could I could I just ask you this? If you know the Lord Jesus Christ. If God gave you today what you've been asking for through how you've been living His life, and God just said, oh, is that really what you want? And you just began to reap what you're sowing right now. Are you comfortable with that? And maybe for some of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, maybe maybe this Maybe this is for us to see God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And Lord, thank you for the gift of forgiveness that is ours through, through the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.